don't be scared now, but it looks like you just wandered straight into you mind country. That's you mind, short for unaffiliated mind games, and you ain't never gonna be the same again. Brace yourself. It's time for red hot truth injection. Oh yeah! That's right, bitch. We're rounding up the sheeple and shaking them awake. You mind? Too damn bad. We're gonna set fire to the wool over your eyes. Feel the burn, baby. Hot damn. We're toppling the lies of the lamestream media one by one. Woo-wee. Watch them bad boys fall. Hey, Universe A. This is Universe B, Colin, and we're gonna tear you a new one. You mind? Hey everybody, uh, I am here today with Joshua Gilliland of The Legal Geeks. Hey Joshua. Hello, it's a pleasure to be here. Alright, so uh, I saw you last year at Comic Fest and uh, your group was actually defending Harvey Dent. Yeah, so first off, thank you and uh, I enjoyed meeting you last year and I have a great fondness and for San Diego Comic Fest and we try to do something special for them each year. And last year we did a mock trial based upon the um, graphic novel Arkham Asylum, uh, which was its anniversary uh, last year. And we we look at anniversaries and, and try to you know fit things in that are timely or, or an anniversary because uh, Comic Fest does a really nice job of that. And we also wanted to use a comic so that was a lot of fun and we had law students from uh, multiple law schools participate in bringing a uh, civil rights claim uh, against arkham asylum for the treatment that harvey dent received with having his coin taken away from him uh, which in the comic reduces him to a mess and uh, they they give him uh, let's see if I get the order right. They give him dice and then they give him tarot cards and it, it does not go well for his decision-making ability. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was really just fascinating. Um, and uh, I, he was, uh, his uh, legal fees were paid for by the Wayne foundation. In fact, so. yeah, we, we, we had a little fun explaining, okay, how do we do this? And, and uh, cause when you put together a mock trial, you need to think of, uh, like just being creative and working in like homages. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one year we did, um, <clears throat> so the 2017 uh, one, we, we thought it'd be fun to do an X-Men theme one. Mm-hmm. And we, so we had this idea of, uh, you know, could the federal government use sentinels to hunt people based upon their DNA and either execute them or put them into detainment facilities? Uh, then to our surprise, Trump is elected and uh, they start doing that. Um, so it, it oddly became timely. And, and it was like, well, that's kind of creepy on multiple levels. But yeah, it's uh, uh, a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, and I've been listening to your podcast as well, uh, where you uh, discuss the legality of uh, different pop culture kind of shows and films and stuff. And uh, one of the ones that really caught my attention was the uh, Marvel Civil War. Okay. Uh, the elite legality of uh, asking people to register if they are mutant or if they have a superpower. 
And uh, is, if people don't follow that, uh, th there is uh, this divide between those who have superpowers, those who have mutations. So, so it's, uh, it's a big debate as to whether or not, uh, if you have a superpower, are you a weapon, essentially? Uh, and uh, I, I was very interested. Uh, what what is your stance on that? What would you argue on that point? So, if we go with the you know the way that the comic or that the movie handled it, they uh, you know a draconian law was implemented mm -hmm. when there there was a need for regulation. So, uh, coming up with like a bad law because of a situation is not a good. Uh, it, you know, is a great way to violate lots of civil rights. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, based upon what the comic and what happened in the film, would not have agreed with either of those solutions. Uh, but there would be, you would, would need regulation of some kind. You can't have people who can knock over a building just running around. Uh, so that's a problem because uh, there has to be you know, laws in order to keep civil society going. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, you know, there are those who sound crazy with how dare you impose speed limits. I want to go 150 through a school zone. It's like, no. We, <laughs> like yeah. that, that's, there's no, no need for it. <laughs> yeah, so. There's no need for it. It stopped being insane. Uh, but yeah, civil, you know, I, I prefer coming down on the side of civil liberty mm -hmm. uh, because the you know in the comic it makes it sound almost like a like mandatory conscription yeah that and it it's one thing to have a draft but a draft has to be random mm -hmm. with who's selected and you know to take the position that it's mandatory uh, mandatory conscription which right. is something that you would do in wartime that's radically different mm -hmm. and. And, and again, we haven't. There was a reason why you know, mandatory military service was not popular right. uh, in our country, especially when you know it came to Vietnam. So yeah, uh, <laughs> it's one thing. It's one thing to have like selective service, and um, you know every male in the country has to register for it. Versus, you know, we're going to take everyone of uh, from a specific background. Yeah. You, know, you now have ma mandatory service. Uh, so, so in the comic uh, from 2006, they, they got into that with more detail of what was in that registration act. Uh, the movie. No, I have not the seen the movie yet, but yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they, they, Captain America Civil War is a wonderful film. Uh, and the corresponding episode stations of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. do explore it, but it's not really that defined hmm. other than there's you know, some you know like you have to sign up yeah uh and you can't use your powers well that gets into you know that's like saying you can't run anymore yeah that's, because that's you're where too... oh, i'm sorry but yeah that's where my issue with it is uh, is if somebody is uh you know six foot five and 280 pounds does that mean that they're a threat to other people just because they're of that size doesn't mean that they're going to use their size and their weight to attack other people but are, are they still to be you know considered dangerous like well the potential exists that you might and that you might hurt somebody so we we have to have this on your chart and say like you know it's very important for people to know this about you or if somebody's highly intelligent they're not necessarily going to use that to manipulate or corrupt people 
but should, should that have to be registered as well? It, it, things that are more uh, on a basic level, seeing as we don't deal with too many people who have, you know, like magnetic influence or things like that. But, but then it turns into profiling mm -hmm. and being able to say, well, you're of Italian descent. That must mean you're in the mob. Right. It's like, well, screw you. I'm yeah. not. <laughs> it's, it's, that's profiling. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, to go to the you know extreme of like, well, you can fly through the air. That, that must mean you're a threat to, you know, aviation. Mm -hmm. uh, no, but I don't plan to go fly around airports. Right. So it's. And that, that like was, that's... I guess that was, um, if it's the comic book I'm thinking of, that was uh, the thing that I, I thought was kind of interesting as uh, reaching that point where we profile people based on the potential for them to become a threat and instead of their actions or case histories. So Yeah, you know, probable cause goes out the window mm -hmm. and instead it's, you know, you know it, it's, a, it's a twisted form of stop and frisk. Right. And that's just not acceptable. There was yeah. a reason why that was struck down. Right, right. So, but uh, I'm really interested in some of your upcoming cases that you're going to be talking about. Um, I, I love The Mandalorian. I know that's a very okay. popular show. <laughs> and uh, you, there's uh, a couple different articles on your site, and, and I think you're going to be arguing uh, for the Mand Mandalorian's guardianship, aren't you? Yes, we are. So we uh, at San Diego Comic Fest yeah. coming up on the first full weekend of March. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to have a uh, adoption petition uh, for the child, mm. and uh, we we have law students from around the country who you know uh, volunteered for this. Uh, we're trying to get actually case materials out this week, uh, and uh, it's the first time getting into adoption law with how how that works and. Uh, that's fun because I have uh, another lawyer friend uh, for my volunteer work, and he does adoptions. So he's he's based in Vegas, and he's a huge Star Wars fan as well. Nice. So he's going to help with that uh, because that's what he does for a living. Uh, it's very rewarding. So, uh, but the the law students who signed up all have very impressive life stories. Mm -hmm. um, five out of the six are all Latina, and that was actually really uh, inspiring to see um, that th that you know this took off in um, a student group, and uh, the number of students who applied who uh, have really unique backgrounds and unique stories. I look forward to seeing them get to argue their case. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. Um, I, th I think that this must be just so much fun to do, like to be able to put your legal skills behind something like this. Uh, that that really just brings it to the people, and and really probably engages a lot of people to you know go out there and want to study law. Uh, that's part of the goal. I mean, <laughs> the ulterior motive is it is fun. Yeah. So this is so being a geek it's like oh i get to talk about star wars for fun of course mm -hmm. uh we so you know when we started this you know we we had multiple goals for being able to have lawyers present the law in a fun way so people understand how the practice of law works because there's a lot of misconceptions about like what lawyers do you know it's how um how 
different lawyer TV shows can skew people uh, for like what what people think lawyers do and uh, being able to help make the law accessible. Yeah. Because the law is complicated mm-hmm. and it, it's it's not easy. So being able to highlight this is how the practice of law works. This is how what a motion for summary judgment is and uh, is important because we're a nation of laws and people really care about the law. And that's something that I've seen at, at Comic Fest because the first uh, one we did was uh, uh, the prosecution of the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. for his crime. So again, we took that from the movies. Right. Uh, we did the Mutant Rights one. Uh, we did a Frankenstein competency hearing, and we used uh, the 1931 movie, and we did that during the bicentennial of, of Frankenstein. Yes. Uh, then we did the yeah. Then we did the Arkham Asylum one, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And you know, frequently you have to have expert witnesses with these to talk about, you know, the mental health issues or, uh, and, and that came into play, uh, with Winter Soldier, Frankenstein and Arkham, mm-hmm. uh, all had mental health elements to it. Yeah. Mutant rights was a different type of expert testimony and being able to talk about what makes somebody a mutant versus mm-hmm. not. And if they are a different species or not, um, and the fact that people can be, you know, get, you know get, uh, Homo sapiens could have a Homo superior child. Does that not make them, you know, take them out of the realm of being human? Yeah. Uh, but again, lots of lots of fun, um, yeah. and we've done. So the mock trials are fun, uh, but we've also done panels uh, and being able to break down legal issues there. Yeah. I, I really find it so, <laughs> so fascinating, uh, this kind of thing. And, and I actually um, am looking to uh, seek your counsel today, if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, my boss, Old Scratch, um, he's the devil, right? And he, okay. yeah. And I work out of H-E double hockey stick. Um, but the thing, <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing is that... Uh, the contract that I was persuaded to sign uh, was uh, signed over my soul, and I was convinced that in signing over my soul, I would be able to uh, save my uh, girlfriend, who at the kind of girlfriend, nothing official, but she she's a Sasquatch who had been kidnapped. Anyway, long story short, so I, I signed this contract trying to uh, save her. And things don't work out and because of the interference of Old Scratch. Old Scratch uh, basically slandered me in front of her. Uh, basically just uh, divulged a whole bunch of things. Not untrue things, but things that I would have rather not been said and caused her to leave me. Um, and then I see that the contract for my soul was not actually for the procurement of this girl, but was actually for 60 silver bullets that could be used to assist me in my goals. Silver bullets that, uh, yeah, basically when you shoot something, you bring the soul to old scratch and you get whatever wish you want. Uh, Now, here's my issue. 
I feel like it's a false bill of sale. Like I was led to believe that I would get something that I didn't get. Uh, and then when I used the 60 silver bullets that I had signed for and I got what I wanted, the person who had signed, who I had signed the contract with intentionally made it so that I would lose that relationship, would lose the girlfriend who I had been trying to attain. Uh, granted, I... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go on, go on. Well, granted, I only wanted to retain her because I, I wanted to use her to recover my memories with her, you know, Sasquatch magic that they have. But, um, yeah. So... All right. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So uh, on one level, I don't know if this contract would be enforceable as a matter of public policy, okay. uh, just from okay. uh, the subject matter of it. So that that's a negative strike that of being able to seek any relief because it goes against public policy. Mm -hmm. Like we, we don't need people. And uh, if, if you are trying to have uh you know confer a relationship through a contractual agreement um i do think that violates public policy so okay. that's one issue with probably no recovery from you uh now there could be issues with fraud in the inducement if it is a valid contract uh so if whatever was uh in the ultimate document that pertained to you getting uh, you know, the desired result versus what was actually conferred with 60 silver bullets. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe there's some fraud issues there that could look to perhaps rescind uh, the contract, which would probably be in your best interest to get your soul back. Uh, it would the, be nice, yeah. Um, uh, the other issues with this because I'm trying to map out uh, the the you know, performance or damages or um, if there's actually a breach or if this was like you know one representation made and you thought uh, that was the case versus what the actual fine print said mm -hmm. um, all of that um, I mean it goes to the bigger issue of don't have a deal with the devil um yeah. it's it's kind of like uh the you know the issue of you know gambling the house always wins so it's true um yeah don't don't do that um yeah uh i feel like i was uh, under I, duress though like i didn't have any other option i was in the devil's realm and i did not know any other way to get out of it other than to kind of <laughs> you know, do, do what I had to do. So I, I feel like the contract was kind of made under duress. Uh, and then there's also the case of spectral evidence. Um, and it going all the way back to the Salem witch trials, you can't use spectral evidence. And so uh, how can you have a contract for a soul if you can't admit spectral evidence? Because you can't prove the existence of the soul, can you? Well, you know, there's a bigger issue at play with parole evidence, mm -hmm. and that's additional evidence outside the contract. So the contract says clearly states the terms. Yeah. Now you don't use something else to you know explain the terms. So why why would you need that? Yeah. Um, so that that's problematic uh, just from you know, the contract is supposed to 
mean what it says and if it references some other document okay it can incorporate by reference but that other document needs to you know be valid so again the issue of uh, admissibility of a soul again that's not really something that can be uh, subject to a court um, so yes it is it's a little difficult mm. okay so I understand. Uh, and if uh, what we're saying doesn't make any sense, then uh, you should follow Creeping Wave Radio, our audio drama. That's the sister podcast to this uh, and uh, catch up on the timeline. But uh, let's get back to some of uh, your other cases that you have going right now. So, okay. yeah. Um, so one of the things I am, a, I'm a cat lover myself. Um, and uh, I, I've saw that, uh, there is something going around about leashing the Lothcat. Oh, yes. Yeah. So uh, Stephen Tollefield uh, wrote that wonderful post uh, after watching, like, what was that, the penultimate issue? or mm -hmm. uh, No, it was, what, the third episode of The Mandalorian where we saw Lothcat first time in live action and whether or not leech, leash laws would apply to a Lothcat. And the solid answer is maybe because mm -hmm. the, you know, Technically, leash laws frequently refer to what dogs, yeah, because uh, that's people have that. Um, on the flip side, you know, wild animals, you know, you're strictly liable for. You know, like if you have the pet lion, um, you're going to be strictly liable for any uh, injuries that lion causes. Oh, absolutely. So is a so is a loath cat more like a lion or? cougar or something along those lines or is it more like you know the domesticated house cat hmm. uh it's a wonderful call out to star wars rebels and steven who's a professor at uh at uc hastings uh he's a wonderful attorney wonderful human being and and one of the truest star wars fans i've ever met uh, it's been a you know we've had a couple panels with him and he was just so verklempt uh <laughs> to be able to participate uh, it was it was adorable. Uh, he he was just so had so much fun, mm -hmm. uh, you know, helping him have have a have a life goal of being on a panel at Comic Con. So, okay. uh, and and just and he's a heck of a nice man. So, uh, we did uh, since there's a community of us, mm -hmm. and we have our own little Discord channel where where we you know the, the lawyers are all exchanging notes back and forth. Oh, nice. We did it. We did a Secret Santa this year, and there were there were a healthy number of Mandalorian gifts exchanged. And so uh, Stephen, for his um, um, elf, uh, mm -hmm. got, got that lawyer a uh, Mandalorian uh, coffee mug, Aww. and yeah, it was it was very cool. Um, so yeah, good dude, and good legal analysis on that post. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, really, the site is really excellent, and you guys, there will be a link in the description box, but you should definitely check it out and check out the podcast as well. There's a, a lot of legal information, a lot of uh, really interesting stuff going on. Um, now, I watched a TED Talk a while back. Are you familiar at all with Harry Potter? Yes. Yes. Um, and, and this discussed some of the legal issues in the Harry Potter universe, and one of the things that I, they didn't necessarily bring up, but that I've thought about every time I watch it, uh, is that uh, Dumbledore, who, who runs Hogwarts, he's the headmaster, um, he's 
painfully aware of uh, all the uh, nefarious things that are going on in the background. Um, he actively hires somebody who he knows is a werewolf. Um, he, he hires people uh, as the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher with, it seems like, very little background checks. Um, but uh, in doing that, uh, he, he puts the children at risk, but he, it seems he very rarely takes the necessary precautions to uh, shut down the school. Uh, only occasionally is this ever done, or send notification to the parents. Uh, and what are your feelings on something like that? Well, you'd have to take each issue one by one. Mm -hmm. And someone who was afflicted with werewolfism mm -hmm. uh, is not inherent, necessarily inherently dangerous, because one, they know the condition exists. Two, they have medication that could they could uh, take for it. Correct. And three, they they could lock him into a, you know, the cellar if it's going to be a full moon and, you know, keep him from getting out. Mm -hmm. So if they were to purposely discriminate against somebody because of a medical condition, because of werewolfism, uh, that would be wrong. And uh, such bigoted parents need to be taken out and slapped around because <laughs> that's not a reason to fire someone uh, because of a, of a medical condition or sexual orientation or... You know, there's a long list of uh, what's wrong with you. Have you no soul? Right. And discriminating against, uh, you know, someone who turns into a werewolf once a month mm -hmm. uh, would be would be such a discrimination. Now, there are other problems like vetting people, background checks. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that students learn how to make love potions. And you know, that's basically mm. a date drug that they're yeah teaching kids how to make and it's like they think oh look at poor ron weasley isn't it funny that girl has drugged him no no it's not, not at all <laughs> <laughs> he was drugged yeah. by a stalker mm -hmm. that's absolutely not okay under any situation and so there there are issues with the student who did the drugging that with with prosecuting her and whether or not she should be prosecuted as an adult uh, for for drugging uh, Ron, or if the school's liable for it because if you know teaching kids how to make it is a problem, mm -hmm. and uh, it's like especially without like adequate warnings or you know saying like hey don't do this, um, it'd be like teaching kids how to make a bomb or well no let's. It'd be like a chemistry class teaching kids how to make roofies. Right. Like, it's just, why would you do that? No. Why would you think that was a good idea? So Hogwarts has uh, a lot going against it. Uh, it makes one wonder if uh, all British stories lack uh, child protective services. Mm -hmm. um, if it's some cultural thing that they have over there besides Brexit. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, a really, it's a really weird thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and don't get me started on keeping your nephew in a cupboard under the stairs because, again, that is child neglect and, and intentional abuse Yeah. Uh, for, for the sake of storytelling. So <laughs> that's a little weird. It's, I, th I just um, I love listening to you talk about this, but I, I do have to wonder. Um, I'm, I'm a big history dork and I will like be watching a movie and I'll call out things like uh, the movie Orlando. Um, she is uh, an unmarried woman and under British law, she should be able to own property, but they 
present her with a contract that says, uh, no, you can't, ha you can't own your property until you produce a son. You have to produce an heir. But then Jane Austen and Beatrix Potter were able to, under that, uh, I believe the law is called coverture, um, they, if you don't marry, you don't, you're not subject to coverture. So uh, you can own your property, you can sign contracts under your own name, and you still hold your legal rights until you marry, then it's transferred to your husband. So I'll watch movies like that and I'll be like, no, you can't do that. But I wonder if you have the same thing with legality. <laughs> can you watch a movie without going, oh, no, that's not okay? Uh, not easily. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I can't watch, you know, the lawyer, the sci-fi known as lawyer TV shows without screaming. Uh, <laughs> My cousin, who's an ER doctor, has the same reaction to doctor shows. So we do trade notes on, you know, our reactions to like, what the hell? Um, why, why, why are our professions mocked this way? Yeah. And, uh, you know, here's the thing: people are sophisticated. If you did a TV show or movie and you depicted doctors or lawyers as they actually work, yeah, people would understand it. Uh, you know, granted, it's tough to make doing charts or document review exciting uh, or understanding this is de a deposition. Uh, watch me summarize it. Like, okay, that's not fun, uh, but that's what we do. Yeah. It's, look at me respond to these discovery requests. Like, that's lawyering. <laughs> and it's, it's not sexy. Like, it's, and here's the thing not everyone gets to drive a Tesla. Like yeah. that doesn't happen yeah. in real life. So, uh, but that that being said, you know there are some fun programs that I have enjoyed. Uh, I think the one that was probably the most accurate was Rob Lowe and Fred Savage's uh, The Grinder, mm. and and that's from like you know, I think four years ago, maybe five. And um, Rob Lowe played the TV lawyer. Uh, who goes home to, uh, not Indiana, um, Idaho, and where Fred Savage, his brother, is an actual attorney. And so it's it's the lawyer brother, you know, you know, like biting his tongue about, you know, how his his brother depicted lawyers on TV. And it's it's absolutely hysterical because it's mocking lawyer TV shows. And uh, my blogging partner, Jessica, and I just, like, were in hysterics over it because uh, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like, are they writing this for me? So, uh, it lasted one season, so maybe that was the problem. <laughs> so, but, uh, uh, yeah, it, it was wonderful for lawyers because we, we saw the humor in it. Uh, and it was a ton of fun. But, yeah, there's... Not everyone gets a Perry Mason moment. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, well, you you said uh, legal shows that you like. What is uh, the worst offender, in your opinion, of legal shows that are poorly representing the law? Uh, well, there was one that was very short-lived. Actually, there were two that were very short-lived when I got out of law school. And one was um, on Fox. And it was called Girls Club. And it was so bad in depicting the practice of law, like they killed it after two or three episodes. 
because every partner was horrifically evil, <laughs> um, massive sexual harassment every place, uh, even with the female partners, you know, harassing a, a young male a, a attorney. And uh, and then, like, you know, the first year associate, so, you know, you know, Skippy straight out of law school, and she's cheering by herself a murder trial. It's like, that would not happen, ever. <laughs> and uh, so, like, that one, that one died a quick death. Because <laughs> oh. um, lawyers know how to write letters. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sure it would. Uh, but yeah, it made the practice of law look truly horrific. Um, you know, there, I have friends who are attorneys who love the, you know, the different law and orders and, um, not my thing, but, um, not my thing, but there's some good ethics questions from there. Uh, way back when I was in law school and in the late nineties, how young we all were, but there was, a, you know, the practice and Allie McBeal were on. And uh, we had a prof torts professor who was had an affinity for those. And so he would, you know, pull hypotheticals from, you know, weekly episodes because, uh, you know, like the practice was just over the top with like every bizarre ethics hypothetical you could think of happening. It's like that doesn't occur <laughs> in future. Like it's just it's nothing like that. I'm can you ethical situations happen all the time but like the most extreme weird happening to the same group of people all the time doesn't i mean like that's right bonkers <laughs> wow. but um yeah i um th there's a, a couple things that i wanted to ask you about um so I, I believe it's Ronald Hughes who was the defender for Charles Manson, and he was famous for his courtroom antics. Um, now, he didn't work that long on the Charles Manson case, but one of the things that he reportedly said, and I, I don't know if this is actually true or not, is uh, he called objection during court when a man gave his name and said it's only hearsay he heard it from his mother. Would that be something that would fly? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, it just, I mean, like, how to get the judge to snap your neck or break your bar card in two, like that, you just don't do that crap. Uh, you know, they're, they're not a proper objection. No. Um, people, you can identify someone. You know, they're, uh, the Sirhan Sirhan trial, mm -hmm. so the guy who was convicted for killing uh, uh, Robert Kennedy. Right. Uh, uh, the guy who prosecuted him was one of the guys who was um, depicted in um, Band of Brothers, hmm. and and so he landed, you know, at Normandy, and you know, major World War II hero, and eventually became a court of appeals um, judge. Uh, but there was some uh, attempted testimony, thus evidence for like psychology about like what Sirhan Sirhan did. I, they were trying to do like a form of the insanity defense saying like mind control or, or something like that. And uh, it didn't fly. Uh, and it was in closing argument, you know, the, the, the prosecutor argued about all of the, you know, the, the techno babble from the psychologist was just throw it out. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the quote. And, uh, and the jury did. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I've heard about that. That girl in the polka dot dress whispered a word to him and, and then he's just went shooting. He he tried, uh, he had another writ just a few years ago. Then it was before, uh, judge Breyer, um, also wears bow ties and his brother's on the Supreme court and trying to, you know, again, bring in this, uh, post hypnotic suggestion, mind control, Mm -hmm. uh, argument, you know, 30 plus years after the assassination and, and that went nowhere. Um, there, there, there aren't a lot of mind control cases. Um, uh, even when dealing with cults and deprogramming, you know, you, you don't have insanity defenses based upon mind control. Mm-mm. And the reason I learned about that was in trying to talk about Jessica Jones and the purple man and, oh, nice. you know, another, yeah, another, you know, fictional cases that talk about mind control. Um, it's like, well, what do we have in real life? And uh, that Sirhan Sirhan opinion um, is, is one of the more recent ones that talks about it. Um, if I remember right, I don't think Breyer slammed the door on it, but you know, the passage of time and the lack of evidence like did not help uh, that cause. I mean, you would need lots of expert testimony to pull that sort of thing off successfully yeah. for for a jury to believe it because yeah. you can't just say mind control and oh okay well it seems like you'd have sure. to like define what mind control is first and then say did, did this occur or didn't it and that's it would be kind of hard to define what mind control is as like is a commercial mind control because it, it makes you want to go eat a hamburger but you know it's not really forcing you to do this you still have a choice you're just pushed in a certain direction <laughs> so it's you know the the test for one of the tests for the insanity defense is the defendant did not understand the wrongfulness of their actions mm-hmm. so if you would show conditioning to some degree that showed that the defendant did not understand the wrongfulness of their actions, now you, you would have an argument that you could at least stand on. Uh, but you you need evidence. And that's where you could get into, you know, like the Skinnerian box, mm-hmm. you know, type analysis of, you know, conditioning. And people can be conditioned uh, what that could look like. But again, you would need expert testimony and someone who, who actually explained here was everything that happened to the defendant, whether it was held against their will in you know, the middle of rural Montana and an encampment of some kind, and they only got food when they did one thing. Well, okay. You know, like that's start, starting to sound a lot like Pavlov and this person went through something radically traumatic and, you know, that's, sounds like they could have had diminished capacity and not understood what they were doing because of you know what they endured but that's a really specific fact pattern <laughs> so it's it's not like it happens often um, yeah but again that's what i enjoy thinking about for fun well you're in the right profession then i would think have you always just been an analytical sort of person, just piecing things together? Yeah, uh, yes, the years of being single have, have would verify that. <laughs> that uh, again, growing up reading comics and watching Star Trek, Doctor Who, and and all that, um, you know, before it was cool. And, and you know, it just highlights we're in a golden age now. Mm-hmm. That the fact that there are so many people who love, you know, whether it's Spider Man or Godzilla. Or 
you know, some uh, Winona Earp, you know, like pick pick the property. And there, it's like there's programming for you. There are stories for you. Uh, and the, you know, the amount of good that this material can have for folks who are you know, either coping with something or going through a rough life experience mm-hmm. uh, is priceless. Um, it, it can help people so much. I mean, when you look at you know the the wonderful folks. It's you know when you're down in San Diego, so it's yeah. like Janina Scar, who you know uh, has written books about superhero therapy and works with uh, you know service members and veterans who have PTSD, and you, you know uses Harry Potter and superhero stories to help people uh, deal with their trauma. To someone who might be let's just say like hospitalized or growing up in poverty. And, you know, being able to look forward to a, a TV show each week that actually has a moral message uh, is invaluable. Yeah. And, uh, and when you look at the number of people who like, grew up reading comic books, and there's now a bunch of them who, you know, get called judge or attorney or doctor uh, because they were inspired and they still read uh those 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 comics you know there's no shortage of hope that and you know the community that it has is very rewarding Mm -hmm. uh one of the advantages of going to shows like comic fest Mm -hmm. is being with others who like things that you like or you know some of the other shows that that i really have enjoyed there there have been some nice kaiju ones kaiju fans are delightful yeah. Um, and many of them are grateful for the fact that there's something for them to go to, uh, because if you're talking about like Superaya or, you know, it's like, Hey, I want to go talk about Ultraman. Cool. You know, like yeah. they, it's, I mean, I, I love a good Godzilla movie. I'm quite fond of camera. So it's having that venue where people can go and be with others who like the things that they like. And there's a long list of things, of properties and stories and movies and comics. And they all have value. And if they bring people joy and they get people to think about right versus wrong, uh, mission accomplished. I mean, I mean, we did, you know, during the Kirby Centennial, we did um, uh, one panel at San Francisco Comic Fest on um, civil rights lessons from Jack Kirby. We pulled things from Captain America and and other you know stories that Kirby contributed to, uh, whether it was with uh, Joe Simon or Stan Lee or uh, anyone else, to talk about the legal issues that were yeah. depicted, and lots of good ones in X Men, because you know the it was Kirby's birthday when Martin Luther King uh, gave the I Have a Dream speech, mm-hmm. and. You know, shortly after that, a couple months after that is when X-Men debut. So it's, uh, uh, so the first ones had to be written. Magneto, Magneto comes across as a white supremacist type, you know, fascist at the beginning. Uh, but then there's a very hard turn with the X-Men being persecuted because they're different. And that's, I mean, it's pure civil rights allegory. Uh, or... Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. uh, you know, falls into that category. You know, Rod Serling would not have been able to have 
know, done episodes about discrimination in the South because of, you know, the color of somebody's skin. But if you make, you know, the the character Green Martian being persecuted, suddenly it's it's okay to, you know, air in the, the 11 states that were the Confederacy. Yeah. So, again, it's a way to talk about these issues. Yeah, very much ahead of its time. Um, well, thank you so much for being with us today, Joshua. And if people want to get more of your special brand of legal geekery, uh, where should they go? Our website is thelegalgeeks.com. And on most social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, uh, you can find us at The Legal Geeks on, on those social media applications as well. And uh, my personal Twitter is at Bowtie Law. So uh, we'll be at Comic Fest. Uh, we have a lot of work to get ramp up for for early March and uh, really appreciate you inviting me uh, tonight to, to discuss being a geek. Well, thank you so much for being on the show tonight, Joshua. You were an amazing guest. Special thanks to Joshua Gilliland for his appearance on the You Mind. Experience Joshua on Twitter at Bowtie Law or on his website, bowtielaw.com. Check it out. And if you're still thirsty for more, there's TheLegalGeeks.com. And on Facebook, they are also TheLegalGeeks. On Instagram, at TheLegalGeeks. Special thanks, as always, to our legendary announcer, Savage C. Walnar. Great job, Savage. Really, keep it up. And also, the You Mind theme is by Ethan Mexell. It's called Demilitarized Zone, and it's your favorite song. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash lucidnap, and you should, because guess what? Patreons get all sorts of goodies, including a special release comic book that's only going to be available for SD Comic Fest visitors and Patreons at the $1 level and above. They get to listen to the first cut edition of every podcast, and they're also going to be getting, hopefully tonight if I can get it edited, the art process that goes along with each of the episode arts that I do. No, it's not what you see on Instagram. It is an extensive video that actually has my voiceover and my neighbors hate me for it because I do it in the middle of the night. It's the only time that they're quiet and not screaming something like get a real job through the window. <laughs> it's amazing. Or you can make a small one-time donation to buymeacoffee.com slash lucidnap and every single cent that we receive helps out ever so much because it keeps the show running it keeps us doing what we're doing and we could not do it without you we really couldn't especially our patrons and those guys i don't know why they do it but i'm glad they do thank you so much to the gramerica show nikki benfield and neil you guys are amazing, and you're really keeping us afloat. You can also support the show by going to www.lostbreadcomic.com and buy comics, art, and more. Thank you so much, guys. And thank you to everybody who listened. Go ahead and follow all of our social media links. They'll be in the uh, little description window below. And you go ahead and follow all those links that Josh gave you, too, because they're going to be there, plus some Pinterest and some other things that uh, you might want to check out. So follow us, help support the show, keep up with what we're doing, and thank you so much for tuning in. Okay, guys, till next time. Bye.
The You Mind is brought to you by LucidNap Productions in cooperation with a hairy old man. Thank you for listening. Bye.